0: welcome back or welcome to the defining endurance podcast i'm your host today coach andrew simmons joined by coach lexi miller lexi good to see you again
1: good to see you andrew
0: Uh, this episode was super fun for me Uh, i won't lie i don't often get to bring on um, former athletes or even people that i consider friends onto this podcast but jamie is one of those special people that uh, i haven't coached her for almost Four years now, I got to coach her through her first marathon, and we've been able to maintain a friendship um, and really, you know, uh, kind of, kind of make it a little more personal. Uh, I got to watch her take some, you know, as, as we've talked in the past, the seasons of our life, and watch her kind of go down this, this changing road and kind of pursue her own level of happiness and create a path for her that's allowed her. Um, to really kind of step into what she believes. Uh, She was originally a pharmacist um, and just didn't find the love that she wanted out of that. She didn't have a great and healthy lifestyle. Um, You know, she um, found her sobriety in that time. Um, She's been able to, um, you know, go into the healing arts as a massage therapist. She lives in rural Canada. And when I say rural Canada, I mean way, way up there uh, on uh, on the West Coast there. And so, you know, it's been amazing to understand her way of life, how she's built a culture um, in her small community, but also being able to really find who she is. And so, you know, one of the big things that came out of this episode, and I think one thing I wanted to chat on with you real quick, Lexi, is, you know, when did you figure out that you were a runner and not just, I kind of run sometimes, but when was it like, yeah, that's a part of who I am. That's a part of me.
1: Well, Andrew, this is a long answer. So I grew up in a family that ran. I think I ran my first race at like three years old. Uh, There was a trail series that my parents did and uh, they they stuck me in it. So I grew up with the culture of running. That's what my parents did every weekend. If I wanted to spend time with them in the mornings, like I went and ran with their friends as a preteen. And then I was a pretty solid runner in high school. Um, I was looking at running in college. I was our top varsity runner at a, a 5A school, which in Colorado is, is the biggest. And then it all fell apart and I hated running and never wanted to do it ever again. Um, so I was what I called a closet runner through college where I would go for runs. But if anyone asked, I was just like, oh, I was just out walking. I went to the gym. I was lifting weights. Don't worry about it. I wouldn't admit to being a runner. I I was so embarrassed of where, like how far I'd fallen post-college as I got to become an adult I, I refound my love for the sport. I think I needed that time where it was just purely mine. No one else knew about it. No one else could care about it. You know, I started to get confidence to sign up for races again. I was extremely slow, but again, it was my own. It wasn't that pressure of being like, oh, you're Jeff and Sandy's kid. like, Or, oh, you're, you're the runner at L- Lewis Palmer. This is like who you are as my identity. So I think that's probably like most people's like experience with a religion is like they had, they grew up with it, had to leave it and then found it on their own. So I would say some point, like I don't have a direct, like this is when I was a runner, but I think that's how my, my love of running has progressed to where now it's my career and what I love and what I love to share with people, no matter how I show up every day. How about you, Andrew?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, a, uh, a runner. I wouldn't have considered myself a runner until I was in my twenties. Um, I still remember like my first 5K with my dad and like running with him and training with him. It was just, it was the least enjoyable process I could imagine Um, because I had to run with my dad. And like, he's like, oh, all right, we're going to pick up the pace. And like, when you're a kid, man, that's the last thing you want to hear is like, all right, let's go faster. And I'm like, dude, you should just be happy I'm out here right now. This, this is, and it, it was kind of suffering. Um, and when race day finally came around, I was so nervous. Um, and just like, it was the longest 28 minute 5k of my life. Um, you know, cause like you have no concept of space or time and you're just like, is this ever going to end? Where are we? Like, there's so many people around me and why do I feel like I'm dying? Like, is this going to end? Is am I going to live? Where's my dad? Like, those are all just like constantly going through your head and then you finish and you're like. Well, I guess I'll eat a dry bagel and a banana. This is okay, I guess. Um, and then I didn't run. I didn't run for a super long time. Uh, and really, running came back into my life when I was kind of on this journey to lose some weight. Um, you know, through triathlon and swimming and you know weightlifting. I, I I feel like I truly became a runner with our Kalamazoo area runners group um, when I trained for my first marathon. Like I feel like I finished that first marathon, and I'm like this is, I like this, this is what I want to keep doing this. Um, and it's really funny if I, if we have a photo, uh, I'll have to share, um, maybe I'll post on my Instagram. Uh, but when I finished my first marathon in 2009, I was trying to find like, what's the right shirt to wear? Like you're overthinking those things. I wore a bike Jersey and a pair of like red split shorts. Like I looked like Ronald McDonald finishing this thing. And, um, I was just, I just really didn't like know like any, like I was so inexperienced, but I just knew that like running was fun and I enjoyed it. And from there, it's just, it's taken off. I'm 39 marathons deep into this journey now and have more fun than ever with it, I think.
1: Yeah. I think, yeah. Hanging on to that 39, I know that you're saving 40 for, for a special one. Um, but that's awesome that it's kind of, I think similarly, you were introduced in your youth. I know you wrestled in high school, like you had experience in sport, which I think is huge, but. I think that's one of the most awesome things about running is that you, anyone can do it.
0: Yeah. You can pick it up at any time. And that was, I think what was, um, you know, special about Jamie's story is that she ran in high school, but I mean, she lived in rural Canada. Like there's, you know, it, it's a completely different way than if you grow up in a, in a, even a, a moderately sized city, um, you know, lots of travel, um, you know, you can be the fastest person around and then you go to the, you know, some, some local championship and you're like, Oh, All right. Well, I'm no longer the fastest one around, and you kind of learn, you know, uh, where where you fit in the world of running. Um, And so, you know, for me, this episode uh, is one that I think everybody uh, will enjoy because Jamie just shares. Um, her love for the sport—it's so genuine, it's so obvious. Um, but I was—I was able to walk away at a—you a, know—a whole page of notes of just little mementos, little fun things, um, just that I learned from her. Um, not even coaching her, but just in the conversation. So, uh, I guess without further ado, we can jump right on into that. All right, guys, welcome back or welcome to the Defining Endurance Podcast. I am your host, Coach Andrew Simmons. I'm really excited to bring this guest on today uh sitting down just before this podcast we've come to realize that uh shortly here uh, this will be six years since uh, jamie and i first met so my guest today is uh i would call her miss jamie comedina uh Jamie, let's let's dive in because I think one of the things that has been amazing over the last six years is um, our friendship has remained, even though I think we really only worked together for like a year and a half, uh, but I've been following your journey and uh, excited to see... Uh, All the new and fun things that that you've got going on and just kind of be a be a supporter of who you are i wanted to take a chance though to kind of start off our conversation um and kind of bring me into the world of where you got started with running like have you did you grow up running
2: um not really i did have this really amazing elementary school teacher who got me to go out for the track team which had basically no one on it I think i was in grade two or as you guys would say the second grade um we say grade two um yeah no i just went out and like tried some like tried the hundred meter tried the four by whatever relay and i kicked some ass at long jump and then but there isn't really a track scene where i live it's just really little so that was about it and then i played soccer most of my youth and teen years so lots of running from soccer
0: yeah and so did you feel like, was running always something that was kind of in the, I guess it was in the foreground, uh, you know, throughout, throughout high school there, did you ever see yourself kind of continuing when you, you know, graduated out where you're like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this?
2: Um, not really. Like when I graduated, I basically like I headed to university, but by then I was like, I love partying. And that was kind of all I really did. Maybe a little bit of intramural volleyball. Um, but yeah, I wasn't super active. I do remember always having like a bit of a crush on people who I would see running. And I was like, Oh my God, imagine that. Like, imagine being a runner or like, imagine wearing one of those bibs and being in a running race. But I never thought that I would do that. I just admired those people. So,
0: and so for you, like when you, when you saw that, was that you envisioning yourself seeing like, Oh, I that's, that's not me, but that looks cool. Was that always kind of where you, where you had seen yourself and you're like, I'm, I'm good where I'm at over here and, you know, partying and having fun doing that stuff. Or is it kind of like, Oh, I kind of, I kind of want to be that person. Where was that for you?
2: I think I wanted to be that person. And part of me probably was a little bit resentful even too, because I knew that's where I wanted to be, but I so wasn't, and I wasn't doing anything about it. So it was like, Oh,
0: Yeah. Right. You get that like feeling like, oh, oh, you're better than me. You know, like you're, oh, look at you out here with your, your short shorts and your tank top looking, looking better.
2: But there was like a small group of people, even when I was like a little kid who would run in Prince Rupert. And I remember I would see them running on the highway as I do now, because that's the only place to run long really. And I just remember thinking, oh, that's kind of awesome. Like they're badass. So I think it was like the seed was planted. I just didn't really know.
0: So with that, with that seed being planted, I think we would be, you know, um, silly to not kind of talk through the the college years for you. Like, um, you know, going through school and going through that arc, like was fitness somewhere in the picture? Like you said, a little bit of intramural volleyball, like what was your, what was your big priority, uh, in college? (laughs)
2: My priority was like a hundred percent partying and working at the bar and partying after I got off work and going to that bar on the days I wasn't working. Like I had, I used to joke and say I bought my degree because I didn't really go to university that much. I was just really good at studying. I'd go when you had to be there, but I just would cram, past tests. I have a really good memory. So yeah, it was definitely like party time with a very small side of I should probably exercise like I have memories of being I don't know maybe having guilt from having such a bad hangover or something I'm being like oh I should like go try running and then you know you're like oh I'm gonna go out there it's gonna be glorious I'm gonna be in the sunshine in the morning in the air and it's gonna be so great and then you run half a block and you're like holy shit like I have no endurance, and like, what was I thinking, kind of thing. So I don't know. The intention was kind of there, but I didn't really do a lot.
0: No. And so, you know, just to kind of bring the full circle here, like, eventually you became that person, right? Like, eventually you and I met, um, and you know, getting getting you trained for things like that, for you know, marathons and you know, other races that you did. Um, how did you kind of shift from that place of like seeing running and fitness as, oh, I've got to, I've got to manage my guilt right now. I've got to, I feel guilty. Um, you know, I, I don't really like myself right now. I'm going to go run. How did you shift that from something that was like, uh, taking place of guilt and moving it into a place of like, oh, this is, this is actually good for me. This is healthy and helpful.
2: Uh, I feel like that was kind of a, a two year ish process. Cause how I f- actually started running was through um, one of the team and training clinics. I just, it was on the radio. Like they advertised the yeah, out of it. Oh, am I allowed to
0: swear? Yeah. Oh yeah. You can, you, yeah, we're, we're good here. You can totally yeah. swear.
2: <laughs> out of team and training, a leukemia and lymphoma society, like train with us. We'll teach you how to run. You fundraise. we we'll go on this trip. So I was like, I have to do something. Like I have to like break this cycle of not being a healthy person. So I signed up, kind of half ass trained with them. I went to most of it, but I skipped a lot and ran the um, Nike women's half in San Francisco in fall 2013. And it was such an amazing experience, but I was still kind of, you know, skipping some of the long runs because I had a hangover or stayed up too late or whatever. And then I moved, I lived in Vancouver at the time. Then I moved home up north kind of kept running, but again, like fairly half ass. And then in those two years was kind of like the tail end of me every, you know, couple of weeks being like, oh, I'm quitting drinking. I'm never drinking again. I'm quitting drinking, never drinking again. And then I finally actually quit drinking at Christmas 2015. And the next day, basically, I started training for the Vancouver Marathon in May 2016. And it was definitely that, that was like what changed everything for me, hundred percent.
0: You know, so if, if we can, I know like having had a number of guests on here, whether it's, you know, addiction, um, recovery and things like that, like what was, what was the final kind of breaking point for you? Like you said Christmas, 2015, like that was, that was it for me. Like that was, that was the day. Was it just like one of those things that you woke up and you're like, all right, I'm done with this. Like you've just decided that this is what it is. Or was there like, something else that was like oof that's this is not what uh not what i want to be or is there was there something more to it than that
2: it was just a really bad night like i like not any worse than other times in my life like not a chance like we could talk about that for a very long time but i just i was so messed up when i woke up in the morning i like had the shakes and i had to go to work and I had so much guilt. I was like, oh my God, are like, are we still getting married? Like we were engaged at the time. And I knew I had caused like a huge fight. And like we joke now. And I'm like, oh, I ruined Christmas. And then I quit drinking. But it was just like I I was alone for eight hours in the pharmacy. It was such a slow day. So I basically was like, you know, soaking in my own self-loathing and like alcohol-induced anxiety. And I was like, this is it. I cannot do this anymore. I don't like how it makes me feel. It's affecting my mental health. It's affecting my relationships, my productivity. That's it.
0: So. And so for you, like those next couple of like weeks and months, right. That's like the hardest part of anything is developing a new habit and a new way of coping. And Mm -hmm. like when, when you have a bad day at work or, you know, you do get into an argument, like how did you, what were you telling yourself? If you can go back to that, that 2015 version of yourself, like, what were you telling yourself? What were you, you saying like, this is, this is better than, you know, the, the, the opposite side of this, like, what was, what was your, maybe even your motivation to kind of continue staying uh, sober? Um,
2: It's funny you ask, because I feel like all the reasons are all the same reasons why I'm like the perfect person to be obsessed with the marathon. Um, like, even though I loved partying, I I would never go so far to say not that it matters, but I, I was not addicted to alcohol and I wasn't physically dependent on it. I just, most of the things I do in my life, I kind of go all in and kind of rewinding a bit. Like I don't think as like a young woman, I developed kind of enough, self-awareness and self-confidence to know what I actually really liked and was good at. So I just, I just partied my way like through my life. And then when all of a sudden I finally made the choice that I was like, okay, I'm not drinking anymore. It just became like a new project for me to be obsessed with. And I was like, okay, let's do this. And I was like all in, like I read blogs, I bought every single book I could find about quitting drinking. I spent like hundreds of dollars on non-alcoholic thing other things to drink I would like go on Pinterest for like eight hours pinning like non-alcoholic cocktails and non-alcoholic sangria and I just like I really made a huge goal out of it and just I had to stay very like it was at the forefront of my mind like I didn't just go about my life being like okay I'm going to try to not drink it was like I am actively not drinking anymore I want to be able to say I don't drink confidently and so I just like made that happen over time, but I didn't go out for a while. Like I definitely avoided a lot of social outings for at least the first couple months, I think, just cause I knew it wasn't a good idea. I would just feel like I was on another planet. So.
0: And you know, with that, right. Like you said, you felt like you were on another planet, like to your friends, you must've been the alien, right? Like <laughs> how did you handle like, the judgment, like there's always going to be people that, you know, are going to judge you for, you know, changing that behavior, right. (laughs) People that that's their culture. Uh, And that's starting to kind of feel like one of the things that's really big here is you had to kind of change the culture of the people that were around you. How did you handle, especially in those early days as you were kind of figuring out like this is, this is my lifestyle and kind of taking that ownership. How did you handle, you know, the, the feelings and thoughts of others and not letting it, you know, pull you back in?
2: I think I just had really no other choice but to be like proud of what I was doing. And so I don't want to say like I was cocky about it, but I had to be, I had to like be very confident. Like, Oh, I'm doing this. Not like, Oh yeah, I'm like doing this thing. (laughs) Like it was like, no, I like, I actually quit drinking and I just had to say it with conviction. And I definitely hung out with, well, I hung out with myself a lot because I just didn't really know how to hang out with other people for a while. But I also noticed that the people I spent time with changed pretty quickly, unfortunately, because I do find in, like, the world of socializing, especially with acquaintances, often the common ground is drinking, unfortunately. So I was like, oh. It's not that I, like, didn't like people anymore, but I'm like, oh, well, we, we used to, like, be drinking friends. So now what yeah. are we gonna do we get? Right? Right. So, yeah, it was, it was definitely weird. But I also had just moved home like only a little over a year before that. So I hadn't lived at, in my town for like 10 years. So I think I was still sort of figuring out like who am I friends with still or again anyways. But it was very interesting waters to navigate. But yeah, the judgment thing, I think it's not as bad as people think it will be. There's maybe like one or two bad apples out there who are just like total dicks about it. But other than that, people are people don't really give a shit. Right.
0: Well, and I think you really find out in those types of things when you change, you know, a certain part about yourself, or you know, you've you change a, a piece of who you are that maybe is part of the fabric of of why you're in a certain circle. Um, you really find out who's there for you and who's there for you know the entertainment factor of of what's what's happening around, um, you know. And, and I, I want to just kind of key in because I'm thinking a lot about you know self-awareness self-confidence like was there a part of that then that was like running running is something that i feel confident a bit about like was that where did running then in and fitness even just your view of yourself your self-confidence how did you start to gain that that back when it wasn't always shrouded uh kind of in in the haze of a of a hangover
2: um i think well a like just you know, the feel good of working out for one, like endorphins alone are a hell of a drug. Right. But again, like just being so goal oriented and like a bit of an obsessive, like type A person, I was like, okay, I'm training for this marathon. I'm running this many times a week. I'm not going to screw this up. And because I was, had quit drinking at the same time, it was like, it was awesome because I was like, well, I have to go do this run. So it, it gave me something to do. And then you know, while I was marathon training, then I discovered the black hole of running community in social media, which was really cool. Like I've still, am a big part of that. And I know people who don't run don't really get it. Like, you know, all those hilarious memes, like, how do you know someone did a run? Oh, they'll post about it. Like that kind of thing. But I just (laughs) was like, oh my God, like this is, this is part of planet earth. Like I want in. Yeah, it was just like I couldn't believe it and I just started you know especially when you train for your first first marathon too right like there comes a point where every week you're doing your longest run ever and you're like learning new things about gear and it's funny you think you're getting all this experience like oh I know what I'm doing and you feel like you're learning so much and you are but then you know six years later you look back and it's like oh my god why was I wearing that cotton
0: shirt? Right. Right. <laughs> you just like, you look at your, that version of you and you're like, Oh man, like that's, that's what I thought was worth. Like, you know, like I, I still have photos of me with like, and, and, and shout out to anybody that's still rocking the like amphipod bottle belt where you look like a superhero running around, like with water bottles on your waist. Cause you're like, I I refuse to get dehydrated. I like, you know, like that's what I used to have to run around like that. And, um, you know, now it's, now I look at it and as a coach, like, I realize I have some responsibility to make sure that like, people don't go running around looking like superheroes, unless that's what they want to (laughs) do. Or if
2: it's necessary, which I'm not sure it is, but that's okay. People can do whatever they want.
0: So growing up, in, I mean, there's, there's no way about it. You grew up in rural Canada. Like there's, as you were telling me, you're in, you're in, and I'm going to get it probably wrong, but I'm going to give it a spin. Kelowna right I'm now.
2: Kelowna right now.
0: Yes. Kelowna. Dang. I knew I was going to mess it up. I tried. And you're 15 hours away from home, but I'm like looking on the map here and it's like, that's 15 hours. Like, is it just everything is far away from Prince Rupert?
2: Yeah. Like we live at the end of the line. Like the highway stops at the Pacific ocean up there and that's where we are. And I like third generation from that community and that's just where I'm from. And my husband is actually from there as well. And so that's home. I like it. Um, I, there's obviously it has a lot of limitations and it can be a little bit frustrating at times. It is the rain capital of Canada and you know, it's dark from like 9am or it's only light from like nine to four sometimes in the winter. And I don't know, there's lots of drawbacks, but at the same time, I don't know, I built my life there and make sure that I am financially set up to go on all the race trips that I want, wherever I want, whenever I want. So yeah, it works out.
0: So growing up there, like as, as you had mentioned, like there is, there's not a a lot there. Like, you know, was that, was that just what you knew? And now that you, you know, that you lived in Vancouver and traveled around, like you went back there, like what was, what was the draw for you to actually go back after being in a place like Vancouver Um, and kind of knowing that like this, there, there are those limitations. Like, was that, was that just, Oh, this is home and I love it. Or was that just, what was your draw? uh
2: definitely that like it's it's my home and i love it um it is absolutely stunning like it's the most beautiful place it's the rainforest um i don't know about so much today but like the cost of living at the time was like more manageable vancouver's so expensive i was like i kind of need to get out of here um and to be fair like it is a very small place but it's not like a village with no internet like it's you know there's 12,000 people that live there and we have like a like world-class container port shipping facility and an airport and, you know, everything that you would need. It's just like a very small city and it's just very remote. So, yeah.
0: And so speaking to that, sorry to interrupt you. Um, speaking to that, like, you know, whenever, when I, when I was coaching you, like it was the same road that you'd run on, you (laughs) know, day in and day out, like, um, you know, we were, we were even talking before this that you realized at some point that it wasn't normal, that when you do travel to other places, like, oh, there's a path for people to run on. Like you have a, a two lane highway and that's what you've trained for every marathon on. And so for you, like, does it get boring? Let's be honest, it's gotta get a little boring, right?
2: Um, like it can, I wouldn't say it gets boring. I think it's more that it's kind of annoying when you know what's coming. Um, it's a very rolling highway. So I used to hate that. And I would like plan my route and turn around in certain spots to avoid certain hills. But I've stopped doing that in the last few years. And it's been super beneficial for me. And like, You can go where I live because I live, like, just slightly out of Prince Rupert. I can kind of run east, like, towards the next community terrace, or I can run towards Prince Rupert proper. So I have, like, a few options. Um, But I think it's great training terrain. Um, The weather can be pretty challenging. That's, like, another thing. But I don't know. It's, It's a really good road. And if you can, I don't know. It will definitely callous your mind, <laughs> but it's, it's Thank so, it's so beautiful though, that I I don't know if I would say it gets boring. It just, sometimes I wish that I had some variety,
0: but I don't
2: yeah. know. I wouldn't say.
0: It I mean, boring. it's, I mean, while we're sitting here talking, like I'm, 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 you know, I'm pulling, pulling up the street view here and yeah, that's a, it's, it's pretty darn pretty. I'll give you that. You've got mountains, but you've got the rainforest. I think the, Fair enough to call it the Pacific Northwest is is slowly becoming one of my favorite favorite places. I went to Seattle earlier this year and I'm like, oh wow, this is this is pretty amazing running territory. But being in a place that, like you said, um, you know, has one of the highest rain percentages, um, you know, in that area, like are you always training outside Are there days where you're like, yeah, I'm doing the work, you know, I'm doing my, my treadmill workout today when it's just nonstop rain, or is it just kind of one of those like suck it up buttercup, like just get out there and get after it. Like what has been your mindset on just those dark gloomy middle of the winter? It's cold, it's wet. Like what, what gets you, gets you moving?
2: Um, well, first I all, you have to make the decision of like how I want to do it that day because to be perfectly honest, there are days where it's not super safe to go outside. Like if it's, I don't mind running in the dark and I also don't mind running in the rain, but I don't usually run in the combination just because it's not smart. Um, yeah. I do, I've come to love my treadmill, uh, well for workouts anyways, I hate easy running on the treadmill, but I have no problem, like, banging out a workout on the treadmill with the loudest music ever and a water bottle and maybe a gel, and I just try to embrace it for what it is. Like, it has so many conveniences. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, you just do what you got to do. But I think as long as it's light out, I usually will just suck it up and go outside. It's never that cold. So that's the other thing, right? Like, I don't – running in the rain is kind of awesome, it's just when it's freezing out and you're suffering that it's not as great. So pretty mild. I think,
0: yeah. That was what I always blew me away is that it was surprisingly mild for how far North you live.
2: Mm-hmm, um, yeah. You the, guys um, don't
0: get full blown snow, right?
2: Not a lot. Like it's fairly rare, but then, you know, you can drive an hour East towards terrace and there's like a ski Hill and they get like feet of snow and actual winter. So it's, it's definitely just because we're on the ocean.
0: No kidding. I, I can also, you know, testify that, uh, a good treadmill workout with, you know, your favorite music going, you know, way too loud. My treadmill is in the garage. It's Mm -hmm. sometimes it's just, it's just what you need, you know, to go turn the music up and uh, you've got the freedom to do it whenever you want. Sometimes, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Turn the lights on in the garage. It's plenty bright out, even though it could be the middle of winter. Um, you know, yours is indoors, but I digress a good treadmill workout. I don't, I, and no one can really hate on that.
2: No, so- you totally can't. And like I ran a PR in the half in January in Houston and like probably more than half of that training cycle was on the treadmill. Cause we did get snow this past winter. So yeah, I'm like, so there,
0: got to get it you just got to get it in sometimes the work just has to get done i i wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit because i feel like in the six years that we've had a friendship or, or you know coach athlete relationship uh for for some of that um you know you've really kind of come into into your own you know i think uh, you you had started, and I think there was just a lot of like, I'm still getting my confidence as an athlete. I'm still learning. I'm so many questions. And it feels like now you're almost in a place, especially just kind of following you on social media where you're more willing to share your journey and kind of what you've come through. I mean, you were always willing to share, you know, your your story of sobriety and, you know, kind of maybe not even, you know, reclaiming who you were, but as much as kind of like understanding who you are. And you know, is that is that still for you? Is Instagram and social media, is that still a place where you feel, you know, comfortable sharing? Is that a is that still the best place for you? Do you feel like now it's become your local local network is kind of what you've sewn into?
2: Mm, it's like a bit of both for sure. Um I do like what you said about um it wasn't so much reclaiming as like discovering. Cause like I'll be the first one to say like I had no idea who I was, at all. And through running, I feel like I just found so many things. Like I found a lot of confidence, and I found a new lifestyle. And through that, I actually I changed careers because I was unhappy. And I just am at such a good place. But I, yeah, with respect to the sharing, it's just kind of it's everything. If somebody. Yeah if somebody in the flesh wants to chat, like I will talk about anything, tell them anything, but I just, I've, I've always really liked Instagram. I just found find the running community on there is so supportive. And I've met up with so many people on there in real life at races and it's super fun. And also again, like being from such a small place, like we do have a running community, but it's not like, if it was up to me, it would be, you know, bigger and there'd be, like a, like a training group and that kind of stuff. So, but I'm kind of working on something for that. We'll have to
0: talk after this. That sounds really, really fun. I, I want to, you know, kind of understand. And I, and I, and I keep kind of drawing on this one, you know, the, I think for a lot of people, you know, running opened a door for them to, I guess the best way to say it is kind of feel comfortable in their own skin. I can even think of myself as, you know, back in, you know, for 2010, you know, I was, I was you, right. I was that person that was looking out at all the other people that were out on their long run on Saturday and Sunday. And I'm like, I, I kind of, you know, waffled in between the, um, look at this smug guy, me being the smug person saying that of course, and like who would ever want to do that to be then like a year later being the person who is like out in their tights, you know, like, not being self-conscious and who I was and just being like, yeah, I'm out here. I'm like jamming to my music. I'm having a great time. Like I'm that guy now. And you know, like I, I'm even trying to think for myself, like what was my tipping point where I was just like, you know, fuck it. Like, this is just what I love and I like it. And this is who I am. Like, what was that? Do you do? You, was that a moment for you or was that just like over time you just kind of developed that? Like, cause I think one of the things that I love about you is just that you are an open book, but you're also willing to just be who you are and and not worry about what other people think. Like, how is that?
2: Mm, I do remember a couple moments from like the beginning of that first marathon training cycle where it was just dark and morning, and I saw a couple people like on their way to work and stuff going to work, and they'd wave, and I was just kind of like, I'm fucking out here, like. <laughs> this is really awesome. And so that I think I was just like oh my, holy shit like I'm like I'm making this happen. And I was I at the time like I had signed up for marathons before, but I would always downgrade to the half because I wouldn't train properly because I was hungover all the time. So I I just like had this feeling I was like I'm doing it this time. This is awesome. Like I'm finally like being like you said the person who I want to be who I used to kind of think I maybe wanted to be but now I know um but I don't know there was always lots of ups and downs like I remember so many times through training just getting so frustrated and being like why am I not getting faster like sooner and why is I would sometimes get in that mindset like oh why is this it's so much harder than for me than it is for other people like maybe I just have like a shitty cardiovascular system because I was drunk for so long and not exercising for like my 20s or whatever. And then, I don't know, you just have so many ups and downs. But I think every time you have one of those epiphanies where you're like, oh, like it's hard for everybody. Like we're all just trying our best and it's not a competition and it's just about being better than you were yesterday and improving your mindset. And I don't know, it's just along the way, like up, up, up,
0: up. And, you know, with that, right. That, that resistance to comparison, you know, as somebody that was, you know, on social media and and those initial phases of like, maybe I am just shitty at this and, you know, and like, and, and maybe even kind of like, I've even had to like ask people, I'm like, what is, what does shitty even mean? Like, what are you, what are you actually comparing yourself against? And is it reasonable? Right. Cause social media is so often the everyone's highlight reel of like, here's all the amazing shit that's going on in my life. And I'm going to, I'm going to just not let anybody else see the the bad stuff. Like how, how did you take ownership of just like, this is me. And I, I'm, this is, you know, I'm, I'm proud of me for doing this. You know, how, how were you able to do that? Was it just a slow accumulation over the time? Like I'm proud of me for getting out today and just being happy with that. Or did, did it feel like you had to get a certain achieve a certain level of result?
2: Uh, For a long time, I was very obsessed with results because to me that was like the tangible thing that was like, hey, look, you worked really hard and then you got this thing for doing that. Um, The first time that I had to take a step back from running from like when I began was when I went back to school, which was kind of when me and you parted ways. Um, I was just too busy and too tired and I tried to keep marathon training through the program I was doing and then I had a couple of like super like poor performances like just unenjoyable experiences and I just finally realized I was just like who fucking cares just like stop for a bit like there's no timeline it's not like I at the time I was still like very much chasing like the BQ and I was like who cares like it's not like it's gonna go anywhere And I think that realization just was very liberating to just be like, Oh my God. Like I kept asking myself that who cares, who cares, who cares. And then, you know, and then the pandemic was kind of another, like, Oh, there's no races now. Like, but I can keep running. And I did through like a few like depressive episodes and like some tough times, but you know, you stay at it. And then, And then lo and behold, I feel like I had all these kind of like mental breakthroughs and remembered how to run just for the sake of running or trained for something that I didn't know if it was actually going to happen. And then I slowly kind of fell back in love with just working really hard and stopped caring so much about the results and just really started enjoying doing the work. And then I ran a BQ on May 1st. So I was like, Oh my God. And the funny thing about it was like, as I was running that race, like I wasn't thinking about that. I was like, I'm running this race. Like, this is awesome. I'm like currently running, <laughs> like, not like, not like what time am I going to finish in? Not like having a heart attack. Cause I had to like an unexpected bathroom break. I was just like, it felt so good to just work really hard and be like, am I doing my best right now?
0: Yeah. I, I- and that was a, opener for me. Well, and I think sometimes like as silly as this sounds and this, this probably sounds, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe the word I'll use is naive or, you know, I've always kind of felt that when I let things go and I just kind of give myself that permission of just like, I'm just here to enjoy what I'm doing. Like just, and it's almost that you're in the moment of what's happening so much that you're not like, you're there, you're present, you are existing in this space. But you're not worried about how's it going to be. Like you're just looking down. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Like oh, I just ran a seven thirty. Like that's that's greater. it's a six thirty, and you're like, oh, okay. And it's not like you know the alarm bells in your brain aren't just like, oh my god. You just you know like you're just like that's cool. Like you're just kind of like it feels like you're uh, you know it's like the big Lebowski, and he's just like, yeah, man. Like it's just like the Lebowski of of, of running. Like that's kind of like maybe who I show up as sometimes to even my best races where I'm just like, I'm in it, I'm in the moment and I'm just, I'm enjoying my time being there. I'm not so overly pressuring myself that it has to be perfect. Right. And that perfectionism, like even for you, I think sometimes it bordered on, I wouldn't say obsession, but you know, you, you are, you're a goal oriented person, you're focused and you almost had to give yourself the permission to like, take a step back so that you could Mm -hmm. enjoy it again and then not as soon as it started going well start telling yourself that it had to be something it just Mm -hmm. you just had to let it happen
2: yeah i totally agree and i think that like obviously as time goes on and we learn more as runners too just about about running and about training like i know a big thing for me that i found really helpful was because i used to be too like i'd be like oh my god that run was so slow like like, I don't know why I would care. Like if someone sees that I ran really slow on Strava, like literally who cares, but I used to care. Right. And then when I started kind of learning from you and others, like just the concept of polarizing your training and like 80, 20 sort of theory and, you know, easy days, easy, hard days, hard. I started to get a real sense of pride in seeing like the difference between the easy days and the hard days. So now I'm kind of like, fuck yeah, look how slow that was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pumped. Cause then I'm like, Oh, and then, you know, on Tuesday in my workout, I'm going to run fast. Right. What that means, right. Fast for me. But yeah, I just started enjoying seeing the difference instead of just always being like, Oh, why does this feel so slow? Why am I so tired today? I'm just like, who cares? Like just get it done.
0: And maybe this is just, you know, how, how millennials age, but I feel like, you know, every, you know, maybe it's every year, every, you know, 18 months, two years, whatever it is. Like I look back, I'm like, Oh, those are chapters. Those are like chapters of, of my life. Like for you, you know, like there's probably that, that chapter of like being the party person in college and then the, the sobriety and the change to becoming a runner. And then now, I mean, I think your newest chapter is, is like, you know, you, you've gotten through school and you've got your own business. Like I want you guys to at least have a chance to share what you're doing now and kind of all the exciting things there.
2: Um, yeah, that's been really good. So I got my, um, registered massage therapy license and opened my own practice, which is really busy. There's not a lot of us in Prince Super, So, you know, there's a lot of work. Um, it's just been really nice being my own boss, um, scheduling wise, it's been awesome for prioritizing marathon training. Right. Um, And I did get into triathlon a few years ago too. So it's just been really nice to have the flexibility to accommodate like the swimming and the running and the very small amount of biking that I do. Um, Yeah. And then I also started um, kind of just like a little side gig doing some like sober lifestyle coaching, just kind of, I guess it's kind of like a launch program just for people who want to do it but don't really know how. Just I just help them get going with, like, a five-week coaching program. So that's been really awesome. It's been fun for me to just stay pumped about it because I do think it's important to never forget about it. Um, yeah, that's been really fun too. I just feel like I have so much flexibility in everything I do in my life comes back to, you know, being healthy, whether that's physically, mentally, all of it, you, so
0: good. You mentioned one thing there that kind of brought it full circle for me in our conversation, kind of full circle, is that you had to prioritize you, right? You said that one of the things you really love about massage therapy is is now that you get to control your schedule and prioritize you. Do you feel like for a lot of people that that's the biggest is that the biggest thing that one has to do when it comes to a journey of fitness or sobriety is prioritize themselves and actually make themselves the biggest thing in their, in their world? Or is it something else?
2: Uh, it definitely is for me at least because I, I just know that if I don't get in what I need to do to feel good and healthy, I'm, I can be miserable as shit and I get really easily overwhelmed. Um, sometimes I wonder if I, if that was like a lot of the reasons why I was drinking all the time too, is I just, you know, I'm easily flustered. I'm pretty sensitive. I have like a tendency for like some anxiety and depression. So I think I would just kind of try to numb it all out Or now I have that awareness where I'm like, no, like I have to do my things because if I don't, I'm not the best version of myself. So that's really helped with that because I don't have to go to a job that I don't like. I don't have someone else telling me like, no, you can't have those days off. So I just, I feel like I have so much freedom. And then with that freedom, I take care of myself.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things that I've learned over the years, and it's probably more recently than any other time is when I'm out on a bike ride or I'm out on a run, like I'm having a conversation with myself. Like if I'm having a bad day, if I'm in a shitty mood, uh, which doesn't happen too often, but if I'm in one and I'm like, I have to have like, what am I feeling right now? And it sounds like such a a simple thing. Um, maybe maybe less so for for guys. I don't think they'll they'll ask themselves that question too often. Um, but you know, I ask myself like, why why am I upset or why am I sad today? Like, what am I feeling? And then I'm able to like, that's my time to work it out. Like, I think that some of the best thinking or thoughts or ideas I've ever had have always come on runs. You know, they're a place to to work through some shit. And like, sometimes you just need to go run up a hill really hard and you're like, you know, that didn't really solve anything, but I feel better. And that's, (laughs) and sometimes that's all you just needed was to like, let it, let it get out of you uh, for better, for worse. Um, Yeah. Leave the house, do something. Do you feel as often for you entering massage therapy and, you know, kind of, you know, I guess in a sense becoming someone that is in the healing arts, like, is it, Do you feel like you're a part of their journey, even if it's just, you know, something as simple as giving somebody a massage?
2: Um, I do like my, I try to keep my practice pretty on the clinical side. So lots of talk about, um, you know, like home care, therapeutic exercise, what they can do when they're not in with me. And then, you know, it's a whole nother story of if people actually do what I tell them to do because I feel like most people don't but they want to (laughs) and I try to have compassion there because I'm like oh like that is like a very similar example to where I was you know like I knew what I wanted to do but I just wasn't doing it yet so you know I try to give people some tools and maybe a little bit of inspiration where I can and then but who knows like maybe in five years they'll Be doing what they say they want to do, or maybe in five days, like I don't know. But I just try to facilitate whatever I can for them to be either getting better if we're working on an injury, or you know, just some ideas if they're trying to step into a more active lifestyle or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty. And but I think that's also one of the hardest parts of you know being being someone that's either a coach or in the healing arts, like as you mentioned, is that like you may have the knowledge and you may have all of the tools that they need to solve their problem, but until they decide that they want it, Mm -hmm. you can't, you can't want it enough. Like I think back to, you know, I I bet there were people at times that were like, Jamie, like, I don't like who you are when, when, you know, when you're drinking and partying and doing all those things. And at that time, like it didn't matter what anybody was going to say to you. Like you were that was just what you were doing and who you were until you decided that you wanted something different. Then it changed.
2: Oh, totally. And like, I have to t- do my best to really keep that in my mind because it, it's easy to get frustrated, right? When you're trying to help someone and they're, they're like not helping themselves. But then I'm like, okay, wait, that was like, I was, that I was there. So just gotta, you know, give them what you can and hope for the best, send them with it and hope that, you know, they'll come around.
0: But you can't want it for them. You know, like that's the thing that can't keep you up at night um, is like, oh man, I hope, I hope they get what they need. And it's just one of the things you have to give people the tools. Um, And that can be really hard, even as a coach, like, you know, I can talk until I'm blue in the face. And until someone goes like, oh yeah, I should eat when I'm out for my long run. You're like, dude, I'm telling you for like, three months. And it's just like, they come up with this novel idea that they're going to try it. You like, dude, like we were trying to talk about this for months and they finally get it. And then it's just like, click, click, click. And it works. Um, I wanted to kind of close things out here and just kind of talk about kind of for you, like, um, you've always been, I think, since I've known you, so this is the last six years, um, probably one of the most like relentlessly positive people. Um, and, and, I say that because that is I think what what is sometimes shown on Instagram but also just on our phone calls and things um, you always find the silver lining in in the world and what's around you and I think it's one of your greatest qualities. I wanted to kind of talk through like how do you frame setbacks you know we talked about it briefly, whether it was, um, you know, racing or, you know, in light of, you know, more recent things for yourself, like how do you frame setbacks, um, for yourself? Well,
2: to be fair, I can definitely briefly go into that like negative spiral. I, I try to be really positive, but I have my moments where I'm very much not, but I try to catch it. Um, I think, One thing I don't even remember who taught me, it was probably in a book or an article or something, but like the concept of, say, like grieving a bad race or a bad performance, if we're talking about racing, um, in like other aspects of life, I just try to ask myself, I'm like, okay, like, is anyone dying? Is like, is your house burning down? Like, no. Okay, so just stop. And like, what is going on right now? Try to stay calm. And like, what can we do about this? And I feel like I've just gotten so much better in the last, you know, six to eight years about just trying to stay calm and thinking, you know, something good has to be able to come out of this. So, for example, I know, like, you know, that I just had surgery five weeks ago. And at first I was like, fuck, like, you know, I'm just like coming off like my best marathon ever. And I really want to run CIM in December and can't run for six weeks. Wow. Wow. But then I was like, wait a second, like I'm going into this fit. This is going to be a mental break. This is going to be a chance to do other things, build a base in a different way. Um, just diversify exercise. I don't know. Like you just like, you have, there's no other choice. You just have to be positive or else everything's going to suck put that more. in a poster.
0: Be positive or everything else is going to suck more. <laughs>
2: So true. Like I just feel like I used to be the type of person who would just wallow and feel sorry for myself, and you know, victim mindset. And now I'm like, well, there's always a choice. Like you have to pick yeah. something. So just fucking do something else. There's always something else to do. So do what you can and get Doesn't better. Doesn't last forever. And, you know, I think that's I the know.
0: biggest thing is that you know what you're feeling is often momentary you know discomfort even just getting out for that first run um, or even those first few minutes like i often like ask people like whether it's having a tough conversation or things like that i'm like what are you really avoiding you know what's what is what is it that's being avoided here is it is it that momentary discomfort of like i don't want to talk to this person or is it like i don't what are you actually fearing because for you like to come back after six weeks there's that you know, you knew that this was you know this wasn't something that popped up right. Like relatively speaking, you you had a planned surgery, and so you're like, okay, six weeks. Like this is you know this is this mm-hmm. is what's happening, and like you get a diagnosis or anything like that. Like you're like, okay, well that's that has to happen, and uh, there's really no other choice, and so you just pivot, and you and I think a lot of it is that you just have to be willing to be you know flexible, and just tell yourself like. I'm going to get beyond this. And, you know, maybe that, that one race that I had in my mind, say it's CIM, I wanted it to be perfect, but the reality is, is like now that shifts into a place of, well, this is just, I want for myself to be able to walk away from that race saying, you know what? You trained really hard after having surgery and the accomplishment is just the finish line. It doesn't matter the time. And then you can start worrying about all of the other elements again. You know, that's, that's how I approach it. Or I would approach it if I was in your shoes. I'm curious to hear your thoughts.
2: No, I totally agree. And I think like the biggest thing for me for this whole like surgical recovery has been creativity because I, I just kept trying to think of like new ideas. Like, what can I do? Um, as soon as I found out that, like, I asked my surgeon, literally I, my eyes were like slits and I was like on fentanyl and I'm like, can I go on a plane next week? And she's like, sure, I don't see why not. So I went to Mexico, my sister lives there and I like walked uphill in 35 degree Celsius weather all week and I like had a high heart rate and I just like did what I could. I was like, okay, that was fun, like helped kill a week, went by really fast, visit my family. Then I came back and I then I started, I haven't hiked in a long time, got back into hiking cause I was like, well, my heart rate is literally the same or higher than easy running. So I was just like, you know, I made it a project and, and now even with like CIM being, you know, 15 weeks away yeah. now, it's enough time to train it is, but now I'm just doing it as a science experiment. I'm like, you know, I can, I'm going to be positive about that too. I'm like, I don't know, maybe all this yoga and hiking and speed walking and like working out in hot weather, like maybe that's going to be the best base right. I've ever built. I don't know. Never done it before. So I'm just trying to stay optimistic, but I also don't have expectations. So it's just kind of like back to what it should be. See what happens. Like work, do your best. Love that. See what happens.
0: So I guess the big question is, is that are you thinking, are, are you signed up? Or are you signing up for Boston 2023?
2: Uh, Well, if I get in, I don't have a huge cushion, so we'll see. But I've been like doing a lot of witchcraft to make sure i get in <laughs> i ran like the my time was three thirty three. like that's a very magical number so my sister assures me i am going to boston i booked an airbnb just in case <laughs> so um but we'll see again like i hope so badly that i can go but right. if i don't like i know i'll go there one day well it doesn't matter so i'm not going to be like ugly crying if i don't get a spot. Right. So I'll be there. Yeah. And going to CIM.
0: Right yeah. Yeah. Well, I got, a, but... I got quite a few people. Ooh, so what? Uh, I know we've got a few <laughs> listeners out here, definitely a few clients too, that will be out at CIM. So maybe we'll have to uh, do a little fun, uh, fun meetup and finally get together. Jamie, it's only been six years of, of talking about, Oh, maybe this is the time when we'll, we'll, we'll get out there. So I'm, uh, I'm not racing. I'm not racing. Jamie, <laughs> I, I can't, tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. I know, um, we talked about a whole lot. I just, uh, I always wanted to be able to, uh, share my gratitude for people that, that come into my life, whether it's just having a chance to sit down and have a conversation for you to, to have another platform to share your story and your journey with running. Um, but also just excited to see you again and catch up with you. So thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, I do for those that are going to be out at CIM, I think we'll have some details here soon about um, what we'll be doing there. I'm definitely sure that when uh, we're out there, we'll do uh, some sort of shakeout run, some sort of meetup. So, uh, you know, maybe some coffee will be involved. We'll, We'll have to figure something fun out.
2: And athletic brewing.
0: You got it. Maybe we'll do a little collab there. We'll have to, we'll have to find something. So uh, shout out to athletic brewing. Make sure we tag them in this one. Uh, that's a new, is that, is that a sponsor? Like where, where does that fit in your world? I've seen that coming up quite a bit.
2: Uh, oh, I just got on with them as a, one of the first Canadian ambassadors. Um, love it's like literally the the best beer I've ever had. Like it's, it's so freaking good. And I was a beer girl, so I'm really happy about that, but just their mission alone, like kind of Uh, like no compromises, right? Like we're going to train as we train. And if we want to have a beer after or like six, we can, and it's not going to like, it's not going to change anything. You don't have to compromise anything. So I I absolutely love that. It is exactly the two things I love most in one thing. So. Well, thank you. That was so fun. Nice to see you. And it's like fun talking about life and running and everything that comes along with that. So
0: thanks for listening to the defining endurance podcast want more knowledge after the show you can go ahead and follow us on instagram at defining endurance or follow me andrew at coach simmons runs and
1: and you can follow me lexi at at coach underscore lexi underscore lifelong endurance uh on instagram as always please rate review and subscribe it helps us find more listeners like you and put out more shows